0: Welcome to the Mad Ones. I'm your isn't pro-violence, but if you don't say safety before I say doorknob, I will punch you, host Cam Harless. And with me as always is your cutter hair and lost all of her superhuman abilities, Jessica Green.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's too damn hot for hippie medicine right now. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I cut my hair and I was feeling great about it, thinking, oh, it's so much lighter. And the minute I get on Twitter, the first post is like, don't cut your hair your hair connects you to the trees and some other hippie stuff and i'm like oh no i lost my psychic connection to the (laughs) mother earth because i cut my hair what a crime no um yeah apparently me and that hippie follow each other so i hope i didn't offend her (laughs) It's too damn hot for you right now
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i what i found since i shaved my head was that I get a lot colder and just so much sweatier, <laughs> like it's awful. Like I'm sure it's the same amount, really, but it's just way more obvious. And you're welcome for putting that disgustingness in your head.
1: All right. <laughs> I mean, are, is it because you're wearing more hats?
0: No, it's just because my hair isn't holding back the sweat.
1: Oh, because it's not I like thought about that.
0: Yeah, and so it's just like dripping.
1: It's why it's a bad idea to uh, shave your eyebrows or pluck them into oblivion.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I, yeah, if you right. have to draw them on, it's going to be wiped off by the the waterfall you <laughs> Right,
1: right. I resisted that trend in my girlhood to to pluck the dickens out of my eyebrows, and so now I still have them, and I'm very glad of that.
2: But uh,
0: <laughs> very, very good. But yeah. we have a show to do, so let me just go ahead and start by telling you this show is 100% brought to you by fans and patrons. So hit like. Subscribe on this YouTube video and share the show with your friends. We have all sorts of topics we've covered, so share them with anyone who might gain something from them. Uh, also, if you'd like to help us out in the most direct way possible, you can join our Patreon. Uh, there, we'll have occasional early episodes. We we've done we've been known to do Zoom hangouts and play games, and and I'll be thankful, and Jessica will be thankful, and who doesn't want us to be thankful?
1: Gratitude is my is nice. question.
0: Um, but also you could grab a shirt or a mug over at slash store. That way you could carry around my little silly designs on your chest throughout the city. <laughs> um, but let's get to the to the main event. Uh, joining us tonight is a based Stoic. She's been known as a podcaster, a network engineer, and a slapper of the base. She's a student of the Stoics and an incredibly reasoned individual with a thirst for knowledge and a sharp tongue. My very good friend Kim Shang.
2: Wow. I love that intro. (laughs) I do try. (laughs) Thank you you for having me on again.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's always nice to have. So, you know, we, we schedule a lot of shows based on topic or someone's interesting story. So that means a lot of times we're talking to someone who we've never spoken to before. Mm -hmm. Like it's, we didn't, we haven't spoken to them except for the five minutes before we actually went live and so it's really nice to have someone that I've known. What We've known each other for, what, six years now?
2: Yeah, somewhere around there, yeah.
0: I mean, it, it's nice to have someone that I know that I can I can just talk crap to, and she knows exactly what I'm doing, <laughs> you know? On You're not going to be surprised by my sense of humor.
1: <laughs> That's basically like you guys went to high school together.
0: Yeah. yeah. The internet
2: years, totally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Been through a lot, a lot of trolling campaigns and um, pissing off uh, libertarian infl- influencers together. You know how it goes.
2: <laughs> Stupidly uh, working on a campaign to run for office. Nice graphics oh, yeah. you made.
0: <laughs> Thanks. That was, that was really when I was starting to get dip my toe into doing some stuff. And I got to tell you, I've gotten better.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was still good then, but you've gotten much better.
0: <laughs> yeah i made um so since so since we're actually this is our last wednesday night show right. starting next week starting in august we are moving to thursdays and so uh, one of the things we talked about was um shooting uh not shooting creating a new intro and outro and kind of looking at it as a new season since there's this big change it's something that we've done with every big change when we moved down from 10 to 8 30 when we you know, all of that. So we've, this is going to be our fourth logo, not logo change, but uh theme like on the logo thematic,
1: yeah, thematic change.
0: So I have, I created both the intro and the new outro today. And if you watch next week, you'll get to see it. And I, and I'll send it to you Kim in advance so that you can tell me how bad it is and what I need to change. I just added some stuff to it since you last saw it, Jessica. Made okay. it a, a, a little more um, fun, but last time we talked to you, we we spoke a lot about um, tragedy and stoicism and how that helped you through your mother's passing. Um, how, how, how have you been doing since then? Because that, you know, I, I've I've had conversations with my brother about our dad who passed away what two years ago, almost three years ago, and it still hurts. So has stoicism continued to help you? And also, yeah. should I spell stoic with a little S or a big S?
2: Oh, we'll definitely get to that. Oh, okay. So um, it's definitely helped because after my mom passed, we had eight, like seven other people die within the span of four months after that. So it was just our family was just, it was like we were at funerals at all the time. So wow. it was uh, definitely a lot of work in uh, in on myself and just remembering, you know, Everybody's going to die. It just sucks, I mean, Could we just have a little space in between each? You know, right. I can only have so much time off to go and see you people in your casket or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Me yeah. and my dark humor. But um <laughs> so things have been which is it's funny to say now that I'm happier than I've ever been after saying a statement like eight people in my family died. Right. But uh a different thing was kind of spurred on when it, when one of my mom's best friends told me um a few months after my mom passed and she said she was ready to go uh, of course when you're suffering from an illness you're ready to go at some point because it hurts too much she's like she just didn't want she told her I just don't want Kim to fall apart and when I heard that I was like oh no no this does not happen I'm not doing this falling apart thing mm-hmm. and so of course I allowed myself to spend some time grieving just like laid in bed eating some like Cheetos and stuff and crying and you know all that good stuff um that you just have to even as a stoic you they're you have to allow that grief to come through because you know people think, okay, if you just block out that grief, that's a stoic thing to do. And that's what we'll get into the lowercase, S stoic and uppercase. So a lot of people have misconceptions, even in some stoic groups, when people uh, join them to try to learn about stoicism. And it may seem like it makes no difference. The word looks exactly the same, it's almost similar to back when we were, you know, stupid enough to be in the Libertarian <laughs> Party or support the Libertarian Party. And then you stepped out of the party and you wanted to differentiate yourself by saying, I'm not big L Libertarian, that I would do something as dumb as politics. I'm little L. I just like the philosophy. Right. So it's kind of that distinction. The um, lowercase s is the misconception that people get. And that's why I have to explain, because as soon as I say stoic, they're thinking, oh, somebody who doesn't deal with their emotions. And like, and I can just end a date right there if you tell a woman I can't, you know. I'm a stoic, you're like, oh, she doesn't have any emotion. This is not gonna work. Um <laughs> that kind of lowercase stuff, like S is the misconception we get. It's not about denying your emotions. And it's more of a, I guess, that might have been born out of the fact that people misunderstood stoicism, where stoicism with the yeah. uppercase is, of course, the philosophy itself, the philosophy of basically just focusing on what you control. And your emotions aren't to be denied or ignored. They're to be used for okay. Why did I respond to this situation the way I did? And mm-hmm. not to give yourself over to that emotion, but just to go okay. Clearly, I feel a certain way about this. Let me sit down logically and figure out why and come to a solution. Or maybe this is not important at all. And I got angry because somebody said something, and I feel like they might have been right about their you know what they said about me, and I got offended because they're right with mm-hmm. me doesn't matter at all so who gives a crap what they said
1: one of the things I that really struck me the last time we had a conversation about this is when you talked about um assenting to emotions it kind of is alleviating to know that like your emotions kind of come to you whether you want them to or not so there's not sort of some sort of like weakness on your part for the fact that this like thought has crossed your mind Um, your level of control starts at whether you assent to the idea or not. And I I found that really impactful in my own life since then, sort of like applying that to things because I had always taken on a fair amount of guilt for feeling one way or another about a thing. And I realized, okay, like that part, that's not where my control has begun. I, I don't control that level, but the next step after that, that's when I can seize control of the situation. And I found that really helpful.
2: Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad that is. I hope it's helped uh, a lot of people because it's going to help every single day of your life if you can think of things that way. Because I think a lot of the reason we feel so crazy and depressed and sad most of the time is because we see a lot of stuff around us that we can't control. We see the world going crazy. You know, um, things happen in our lives where bills pile up. There's an emergency here and there's just certain things yeah. that you can't control. But there there could be some chaos going around you. Everything's on fire. And you're thinking, you know what i can control you know not sitting in this fire right now i'm just gonna go somewhere <laughs> or there's yeah. always something you can do to at least what you can control that may might make you feel better because feeling out of control makes you just feel crazy inside right right
0: yeah when i get sad i stop being sad and i just i just i'm just awesome instead i just decide to be awesome instead so yeah so i guess i'm a stoic well done. <laughs> right on.
2: Always remember how awesome you are. <laughs> Tips for the youth.
0: <laughs> the youths. Just yeah, I didn't just stop. I knew last time we talked, I feel like you your your mom had passed and then one more person had. So it just went off the rails even after we talked. I, think, I thought that was bad enough. Um, oh, yeah. But I can't even imagine. Um yeah, I don't I don't think anyone's died around me okay
2: don't curse of. that man i'm trying to stay stay yeah. alive for a little longer man. Don't curse him,
0: man. <laughs> evil eye <laughs> i'm just trying to think it did, did anyone like that i know no nah, i don't think so but we i have been thinking about death more which is is kind of hilarious because most people don't want to think about death and don't think about death and we you know we talked about memento mori a little bit and then what two weeks ago three weeks ago we spoke with justin marler who um was in the uh, metal band sleep and then uh, right after they recorded their first album he left the band and he went to um an orthodox monastery and became a monk for like seven or eight years uh-huh. and uh his his um he had a zine that was called death to the world he wrote a book called youth of the apocalypse And uh, he's always, it seems like he's always wearing a hat that says Memento Mori on it. And so Mm -hmm. when I, we we talked to him and when I I found out about him, I thought about you almost the whole time. Because I was like, Kim, but not about the death thing, about the Memento Mori thing. (laughs) Horrible thing to say otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) When I think of death, I think of you, Kim. Oh, great, great. Uh,
2: I don't know if that's the worst thing or not that somebody has thought about when thinking of me. I'm not
0: quite sure. (laughs) (laughs) but we we have had a lot of discussions about death and i i want to um not 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 in this episode but in the future unless you want to talk about death more um but in the future i do want to talk about death more because we've we had an episode where we talked to um kate what was her last name kate
1: oh uh the memorial she did memorials i can't remember her last name for the life me the british girl though
0: Yes, we had a, a lovely oh, British girl one. on, mm-hmm. who we talked about kind of the cultural uh, aspect of death, um, and then we ta- we we also spoke to an embalmer not that long ago, and yeah. we kind of talked about like the the after you're dead, what happens to your body, what what do they do, stuff like that. Um, there's one show that I want to do, that's really hard to do and really hard to find someone to do it with, but I may have found. A way to do that, which is to talk to someone who has a life limiting illness and is in is or is terminal, is going to die and has had to in this life prepare for that. Because I feel like there's a lot of wisdom and a lot of things that we don't know that go through people with that situation. And I would, I would love to kind of peel back that understanding and say what did what have you figured out you know i'm sure you had some really interesting conversations with your mom before she passed and it's like we don't hear much from people who are dying we don't we don't hear much about death and i i I still i still want to do one with an actual um what's it what's it called a coroner or Mm -hmm. medical
1: examiner,
0: The medical examiner stuff. I, I still want to do that uh, mortician. Um, I, I, I want to have a, more conversations about this because it sounds really dark, but it's, it's a fact of life and it's something we need to think about. We need to think through. And so you have an, uh, I have a certain perspective because of my father. You have one for, because of your mother and now what's seven or eight other people. And that's just wild. How many people know what that feels like to that extent? I feel like it's a lot less than we would realize.
2: Yeah. Um, You know, what's what's interesting is this morning when I was walking to work, I was listening to, of course, true crime podcast. And I believe it was the (laughs) podcast where um, all somebody just said they missed me anyway. Anyway, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) so she was talking about it was the second episode of their Jack the Ripper um, series that Mm. they were doing and one of them is uh, does autopsies and they were trying to talk about some people would say that it was somebody who does leather work that was murdering these women because of the dissection and she was just saying no and she brought this perspective she's like this dude was doing this in 15 minutes he was attacking these women basically like taking out their insides all the way to their entire reproductive system, taking out the fallopian tubes and everything. And she's like, you don't know how hard that is to do that well. So it couldn't have been somebody who, you know, was just doing the leather work or they have to be really good at it. She's like, she's been called in for, um, and to do an autopsy really fast because, you know, toxicology and all that. And so she would have to take all everything out. And she's like, it takes some time to get through all of that and pull it all out. So, I just thought that was a fascinating uh, perspective to hear that finally from somebody saying, you know, I literally do this for a living, and you can, you got to be an expert to do it that quickly and not be caught. Right, right.
0: Not to mention that I used to work at a leather store and did a lot of leather work, and I couldn't tell you where I could find the fallopian tubes. So it's like, I mean, I know where they are, sort of, but if like if I'm <laughs> if I'm thumbing my way through a through a carcass, I don't know what I'm looking for. Um, so I don't think it was a leather worker. Um, but here, just I want to talk more about what you're doing now and base and all of that. But before that, I just have a simple question. What do you think about the rumor that um Jack the Ripper was actually H H Holmes?
2: That would be really fascinating. Um, I I've heard it before, um, yeah. and I haven't gotten too deep into it. I've looked at some stuff and I've heard some podcasts, but I don't know if that would be specifically his style to go out in the night to do that sort of thing. This man seemed like he preferred the kind of torture (laughs) that, you know, he can do for long periods of time. And that's Mm -hmm. not to say that he couldn't have had periods of time where he was just straight up just murdering people. And that was the beginning, because mostly, unfortunately, these serial killers and murderers have a beginning that might have been different and much more sloppy. And then they kind of Mm -hmm. built up to something else. But I'm kind of up in the air on if that makes any sense to me. I'd have to look more into it, but at this point, just, I'm thinking, eh.
0: I want it to be true because how, how, how cool would it be that we found out who Jack the Ripper was and it was um, Herman Mudgett, H.H. Holmes, the, the, the guy who owned the death hotel during the World Fair and had the hotel specifically made so that he could murder people in it. And yeah. that's what's so that, that story is so crazy, not just because of that, but, but when he was building it, he had these specific plans and he didn't want anyone to know the full scope of this hotel that he was creating to murder people in. And so he would have uh, contractors and people come in and uh, build up to a certain point And then either he would fire them or kill them. We, I'm not sure which it was. And then he would hire someone else so that no one ever knew about all of his secret passages about all these different areas and so uh yes that was a fun way for me to explain to jessica who hh holmes is without (laughs) making it too obvious but if he happened to be jack the ripper i just think that would be really cool
2: yeah i and i also don't know if that that well his name number one is embarrassing but at the same time, I don't know if he had the, the precise surgical skill to sort of do that sort of that kind of thing. Yeah. Not I
0: think he was probably a doctor.
2: Short. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to look at that. I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised. But man, have there's a season of American Horror Story where they kind of played with that idea. And even that was frightening. Of Just a whole hotel was literally just, you know, there's a scene of where they have a woman and he's just kind of piling the bricks on just kind of. While she's sitting there hanging and just watching him just like kind of basically bear, bury, bury her behind the wall. And I don't know if that's what H H Holmes did, but that would be really frightening to just watch mm-hmm. somebody just slowly putting the bricks over you. And you're just going to be yeah. stuck there behind this like wall and die. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. It's so we're going to talk about, scary. I'm going to
0: talk about another murderer now, because this is where we are in this conversation. I'm happy to be here. Um, Israel keys. Do you, do you remember Israel keys? What a oh. horrifying individual. Um, how many people did he kill?
2: I I don't I can't remember how, but he was pretty prolific. But that stuff was scary to me that this man had straight up murder kits buried yeah. in different places. So he would just be going and traveling. Oh, here's my murder kit. Let me just unbury it and go murder some girl. And then you know that was that's frightening.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean like that's that's what's so crazy is this dude went around the country. Did he fly? I can't remember if he flew himself, but he had gone into the woods in different places and hidden murder kits. And he knew where every single one of them was and he would get to town, he would find someone. And he, that's why he was so successful for so long was because he had no rhyme or reason to his, um, like his, his preference and people. And so he would just find someone he could kill and he would find his kill kit and do that. And then I guess bury it back, bury the body and move and move on um but you know you have to wonder with him how many kill kits are still out there and we just don't know where they are
1: this guy is relatively recent he's um in our age group
0: he's in our age group
1: yeah he was born in 1978.
0: oh man yeah
2: yeah and the the weirdest thing about i mean the i Get tired of giving serial killers really cool names. I don't think we need to be doing that kind of nonsense. But But, uh, the fact that they call him the dating game killer, because he literally was on the dating game.
0: Oh, That wasn't, wait, that was Keys? Yeah. Wasn't someone else on the dating game as well?
2: Here, go for the Google machine.
0: Well, that's Rodney Alcala.
2: Oh, sorry. Yeah, I did get them mixed up. Sorry
0: about that. <laughs> they all start
2: it's... to blend in together because I listen to way too much true crime now.
0: But but how funny is it that both of us happened upon this genre and we can just talk about killers all day long if we wanted to. We Before we did this show, we talked about doing a true crime show together. I think that could be fun. Um, uh, <laughs> but what's the other one that that's... Um, there was this other guy that was like a huge nerd and he was trying to make a movie... And was, tr- was killing people or something.
2: Oh, oh I forgot that guy's name. Um, there was, yeah, I remember, I know exactly what you're talking about. There was yeah. a podcast I was going for a while that uh, was just all about people who tried to emulate like movies yeah. uh, or, or TV shows like Breaking Bad, Dexter and all these sorts of things. And I remember them doing a segment on him and that was just a really weird story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: um, But no, I think, I think, if you're looking at the most, okay, so we'll move on to the other stuff. I promise everybody who's listening, but um, if you were to pick a serial killer who you are most disturbed by based on looks alone, who would it be?
2: Oh man, that's a hard one. Uh, I'd say Eileen Warnos because man, she looked like a fright, that woman there. But yeah, uh, and I think what was scary to me the most about her is because when people talk about serial killers, you know, they're always thinking about some dude, but this woman was out here shooting up people and all sorts. And it was just a very hateful, crazy human with some really messed up teeth.
0: Yeah. Well, for me, (laughs) it is, there is another person with messed up teeth, but um, Richard Ramirez Mm, mm -hmm. is such a horrifying person to look at. Like,
2: I, I heard that he was stanky as hell, too.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. He mean, have stinky. you seen his teeth? Have you seen his yeah. teeth? You, you, you're, you're not getting fresh men out of that mouth. Um, but yeah, sorry. I just, every now and then I have to talk about murder. Because it's cool. Um, <laughs> i just like, eh, I'm
2: talking about murder.
0: It's I also fine. watched, uh, someone sent a um, video over to me in a, in a group chat today, and it was a guy kicking away a grenade too late. And so, I mean, you, you, you lose, you, you, you don't make it through that. Um, but then I just scrolled down the Twitter account that he sent to me and I saw so many people die today. <laughs> like what? Um, but it's, it's it, I think it's interesting and good to not to look at these things. Like I don't search out actually death. I do, I find the, the, the psyche of humans and the way they think and their psychology very fascinating. So that's why true crime is so interesting to me because I can't understand these people. So it's interesting to kind of suss that out and try to figure it out. Um, but I think, I, I don't go look at dead bodies, but there is something about noting how fragile we actually are that's incredible. Like it's, it's something that when you, when you, I mean, you can just see one picture or one video or whatever. And from then on you realize how fragile and how easy it would be for you to leave this planet. Yeah. And all I'm saying is don't go watch those videos.
2: Oh no. I've <laughs> I've made the mistake of either watching a video or I saw a picture of a, like just a like body where they cut out, cut up everything. Like, and it was just, like, fresh and I was just looking at it like, well, that's, frightening <laughs> I was like uh I'm not gonna look at any of this anymore that's a uh, wow <laughs> do you
0: do you remember that video that went around a couple weeks ago as well Jessica with the um the Australians that were like near a club or something and the guy mm-hmm. pulled out the knife
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. like
1: yeah he stabbed the guy in the neck that
0: dude went from not knowing what was going on to dead within like 30 yeah. seconds
1: I think you have ten to twenty seconds after you have arterial spray, which is when it's like spurting, before you lose consciousness. So, he probably was like, "Oh shit, I'm bleeding," and then his next thought was, "Boy, I feel lightheaded," and then that was it. Lights out. I mean, he didn't. He didn't know what was happening to him.
2: Yeah, I mean, in that case, that as weird as it sounds, it's better. What is that one guy? I cannot say them. It was a this the, the gay guy who, in the documenting Don't F with Cats. Uh, oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Luca oh. Magnata.
2: Yes, that's psycho. Like, there's that video of him just like like where he not only suffocates his cats, I think he has that one where he's like basically getting it on with this dude and then just just kills this guy. He's just like sawing him apart and all sorts. Of, I'm like, that is what I'm with you with the what just makes anybody think this is OK. That's what fascinates me. I'm like, what goes on in that kind of brain? That makes right. people think this is okay, and they're and they're well, fine with it, and they love it, and it's it's really weird to me.
0: Luca Magnata was so interesting because he was so uninteresting. Like his whole thing was, he was trying to be famous. He wanted to be the best looking. He wanted to um, to be a model and an actor, and he was very weird looking, in my opinion. And he made all kinds of fake. Um, photoshops of him in different places he made fake websites it talked about how great he was um and then it just didn't work out and it didn't work out and um yeah he i f- his first things that got people to interested in him was when he he put the cats in um it was like a you know, he, it was like in the you know like he sucked the air so with a vacuum out of it
2: mm-hmm. um
0: and then he fed one to a large python and like it was this is not a good person. And he's putting this out there. And the reason people figured out who he was and figured out that he was the guy who killed the Chinese immigrant in Canada who was going to school. There was because they were able to take these little tiny clues from his videos and they were able to put it all together because they were mad about the cats. I don't I don't know if they cared so much about the people. The person as they, as they did the cats, but they didn't. They cared about the cats. Um, Which
2: is a sad story because they, like he basically mailed that poor student's body parts <laughs> somewhere yeah. and it's the cats that really upset, upset them. Would, wow. <laughs> uh,
0: here's one thing I want you to notice. Look how disturbed Jessica is right now.
2: <laughs> I just,
1: I don't like hearing about animals or kids getting hurt. really upset. Yeah, it's oh, well,
0: yeah. Um, the, that was, that was what. and of course I think the one of the worst things that can happen when you listen to true crime is they'll play like a snippet of sound and then you, you're, your brain and its morbid curiosity says, Oh, I have to look at this. I have to see what this is. Never listen to that voice. Nope you, you don't uh, want to see a dude literally eating an ass. You don't want to see that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't see anybody eating ass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay, Jessica, I'm gonna let you change the subject. What would you like to talk about now?
2: I've kind of
1: gone down a road here. I'm
0: what are you are you looking into Luca Magnata?
1: No, no, I will specifically not look into Luca Magnata. Please don't. <laughs> That's not something Yeah, I don't want to know about that. I don't want to hear about that. I didn't watch the G- Don't Fuck With Cats documentary just because I knew the content was not something I wanted to hear about. Me hearing about it just now was more than I had. I would managed to not get <laughs> exposed up until that moment.
0: I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's a really bad person. And he, it's it's wild. I wonder how many people are out there that do these sorts of things simply because they weren't able to gain the acclaim that they wanted to in their regular life. Yeah. Like, because that. I mean, that's that's kind of what this guy did. He he moved from identity to identity to skill set to skill set until he got to the point where he wanted to be famous for murder. That's a and and the fact is he lives in Canada, so that means he probably will get out of prison someday. The guy in Canada who uh, who attacked the man on the bus, you know that story. I won't go into detail to hurt Jessica anymore, but you know that story. He, I think he got out like about what twelve years into it, and he's just living his life now.
2: Yeah, that's the that's always the the hard thing. Would they do it again? Because of course it seems like. He did he did this in some sort of weird fueled rage that I don't know of any other way you could do what he did. So there's you know he might not do it again. I'm like anybody who just jumps on public transportation and does what he did. I'm gonna be a little worried about at any point. Like what if he goes off medication? Like what is gonna happen? Would there at least are we watching this guy? (laughs) Something keep tabs. I don't know.
0: And and that's the thing about it is like. I won't go into detail because I don't want to hurt Jessica's heart anymore and we can move on to better subjects. But what he did was not a normal attack. Right, yeah. Like, it was... How do you you even finish the job? I don't don't know. Yeah, it was wild. (laughs) Sorry, we got into true crime, and that's a disgusting topic. And anyone who's not used to hearing that, I apologize. We will move on now. Let's talk about your band because you're in a band now, Kim. I want to hear about it. What are you doing?
2: All right, well... The local scene, anybody who's had to be in local bands, it's, it's a slog to, to get through. But the good thing about living in Las Vegas is that this is one of those cover bands central. Everybody wants a cover band. And people are thinking, why would you be in a cover band? They make money. Because people know when they hire your band, you're not going to play some original crap that they're thinking, I don't like this. You're playing stuff that they know. And even if you don't play it perfectly. Um, so... I started, was it October of last year, decided that as somebody who was, you know, has all these instruments behind me, you can kind of see them, and they were just sitting in the corner of my room for years. I had stopped playing music for a long while. I started, of course, in sixth grade as a saxophone player. And then the funny thing was I learned to play guitar in in junior high in a mariachi band. So that was very interesting. shout out to the c and d7 and g7 chords because that's apparently all you need for these bands but i had always loved music and then the only reason i started playing bass was because i played in a church band of course you gotta have the church band in your background there and all of Is us were sax- i was actually gonna get to that point too yes okay. you literally <laughs> nailed it <laughs> right there just, we had all of our guitar players we they wanted a youth worship band all of our guitar players were the sax players too so we're like, we can't just have all guitar players. If so somebody's going to play bass and they're just looking at me like, you're black, you play bass. And so I was just like, okay, I'll give it a try. So I played bass like a guitarist and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it does the, tr- the trick you're playing, usually the root notes of the chord and that's fine. You can get around with that. And that's how I did it with a band back then. But then recently, I think as I went through all of these family deaths that I wanted to make sure I didn't waste my life. And I think that is something common for people who experience somebody they love dying, is that your perspective goes, well, I don't wanna waste my time. I wanna make sure that I'm enjoying the time that I have left. And so I was just looking at all my instruments and it's like, you know what I do? I listen to the bass a lot in songs and it's not the most beloved instrument to some people. It's sometimes the most forgettable instrument to people. But for me, I just, I have a playlist just called Favorite Bass Lines. It's how much I love listening to the bass. So I was like, you know what, I want to learn how to play the bass, like a bass guitar player, take it from that perspective instead of guitar player. And it has been the most wonderful transformative journey that I've ever decided to go on. I've been taking lessons. I take lessons every Sunday um, and then I work on stuff all week. And so my bass instructor, um, who actually is a student who graduated from the Berklee School of Music under John Petitucci, one of the the most prominent bass players alive at this point. And he said, you know, what would really help your bass playing is if you started playing with a band yeah. and he's like, whether it's a cover band or whatever, because to go through a course the way I'm going through. They don't want you to just be playing the bass just for fun, playing some scales. They want you to be able to do improvisation. They want you to be able to do covers. They want you to be able to do ear training, every single aspect of music. And it's been awesome. And so he encouraged me and I decided, how am I gonna find band members Am I going to post on a a board? So I went on Facebook and found there were Las Vegas musician groups. And I was like, hey, bass player here, you know, taking lessons. I've been at it nine months. Just want to see if there's anything out there. And then I have this influx of people in my inbox. And I found out eventually is because bass players are really flaky in Las Vegas. So (laughs) you have a bass player and they just will not show up to the next practice. So I'm just thinking more money for me right there. And I was in a band called Space Trash for a bit.
0: Um, (laughs) That's a good name.
2: Yeah, it's just trying to tell people, hey, I'm in a band called Space Trash. And unfortunately, uh, we didn't get a chance to play a live show because we kept losing drummers. And eventually I stepped away because I joined the band that I'm in now, Burning Alert, and which the band before that was more of a punk, like 80s, 90s cover band. Now, Burning Alert is more of a, like, late 90s, 2000s and on, like more of a hard rock metal cover band which is right up my alley and that's why I have a five string because some of those songs are played in some really really drop tuning so I got a chance to use my five string and we had our first show a couple weeks ago and the mixture of stoicism is what helped me on that one, because even though I played at churches, you know, people at churches, you know, we're just there, you know, they're just there to worship. So they're not yeah. going to be all like that, band so boo, get off the stage, <laughs> you know, cause they're too busy feeling Jesus at that point. So I had to use stoicism because back in the day, this would have freaked me out. I was like, I'm about to get on stage with an instrument, Granted, most people probably wouldn't have heard the mistakes except for the sound guy, because he did say there were a couple of jazz notes the band played, and I heard them too, because that guitar player, man, he was all up into them songs, man. A couple of wrong notes, but most of these performers, there will be some wrong notes or delayed starts or all that. So It happens during live performances, but it was the best feeling just being up there just vibing with other musicians. People are just in the crowd screaming, and they're really, they're singing along. There's something to that experience that I think is transformative in a way and good for the confidence, but I definitely had to sit down and use some stoic skill of imagining what it would be like if I fucked up on that stage and everybody <laughs> saw me do it and just heard it. Like I just played a big, fat honking note. Cause there were some times that I was playing by myself with a pick. You know, we did a uh, sober by tool and there's just a whole bunch of like strumming and it's just straight up bass for that song. And I was like, what if, you know, I just this big old disgusting note and everybody heard that. And so I had to go through all these scenarios. And of course, as I mentioned last time, the, the negative visualization helps you get over that kind of fear. Imagine right. everything going wrong, your whole band messing up and everybody going, what the heck? And then just everything falling apart, because you'll be ready for it. But the good thing is the drummer did mess up a pass, but I work with such great musicians that we recovered without anybody noticing like he just kept going and i'm like dude he just missed like half of the verse and, and so we just jumped in on that other half that he went to and <laughs> just kept going uh it's the fun of a be, live music and i think is Will really challenge your musicianship if you play with people that are better than you and you have those kind of experiences where you can recover and people don't even notice i mean they were probably all drunk anyway so who cares
0: <laughs> well it's like uh we're moving part of the reason we're moving to thursdays is because you know um i don't know. you saw my whole deal with the washington post and tucker carlson and all that right
2: <laughs> yeah that was awesome
0: <laughs> <laughs> wild um but uh everyone was calling me a comedian. And I make a lot of jokes, and I write a lot of jokes, and I do a lot of joke stuff, but I've never called myself that. And so once they put that on me, I was like, I need to actually try this now and not be so afraid. So I don't know if it'll be next month or what. I'm 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 gonna work on a a tight five soon. I'm gonna try to figure that out. And so you know, I have been thinking about uh, what it would be like to just you know eat it, just just. Eat. <laughs> just you know not what what's it, uh not what's what's it called again what do they say it's not kill cuz you you can killing a room's good what's the the bad thing why am i blaming <laughs> Killing
2: room is good oh yeah I'm hurt. it's going to come <laughs> to me at some random time we'll be moved to some serious right. topic and i'm just going to yell it out
0: right um but no i'm going to i'm going to try that and so i've been thinking and and I, you know what you're i'm going to have that happen like that's how it works that's how you learn And it's about, you know, being able to improvise and find what the people think is funny that you're talking to. So it's like, you know, if if you tell certain jokes and people start laughing, that's where you head and you have to. And I'm trying to figure all of this out. I don't know if I would do crowd work or not. I I would need to figure that out, but I'm in the same boat, but in a different um, compartment where we're making jokes and making an ass of ourselves instead of playing bass. (laughs)
2: <laughs> right <on>. Well, congratulations <laughs> on taking that step. I like to see your progress there, man, because it it, it people think comedy is easy. It is not.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but I am, you know, uh what's her name? The uh Hawaiian Senator or representative. I am Tulsi Gabbard's favorite comedian. So um Aww. Ice Princess would like to know if you're familiar with the Toadies.
2: Oh, you know, what's funny is that the Bannerman. now that one of their songs was in our set um, was I forgot the name of it. Oh, gosh, it's one of their more famous songs, like probably the song they were the most famous for. But it's it's a a really weird time signature. So uh, our show is coming up quickly. So we have to drop that out of our set. But yeah, the Toadies, Toadies, I'm down with the Toadies, man.
0: (laughs) I don't know the Toadies, but should I?
2: Oh, it's Possum Kingdom. That's the name of the song, Possum Kingdom. I'm pretty sure if you actually li- listened to that song, you would know it because it would be on the radio. It's, uh, I forgot, they've been out for a long time. That song was pretty big on the radio for a bit. I bet you if you just looked it up Possum Kingdom back at some point after this, and then you'll, you'll know who we're talking about.
0: Yeah, and she said Possum Kingdom. Am
2: I wrong again? <laughs> because I hit a joint earlier, so I could be totally wrong. <laughs> So don't, don't trust anything that I'm saying unless it's about stoicism.
0: (laughs) Well, let, let, I think a fun thing we could do now would just be a conversation on what we've learned lately. Cause I know, I know how I am and how I'm always reading stuff and trying to figure stuff out. So I have like things in my head that are, that I'm going to eventually put out into the world. Um, but what have you learned lately? What's something that you've really, dug into and have studied ad nauseum and you have you feel like you have a some feeling on it or some grasp of it now
2: um i'd say um oh it is the toadies possum kingdom yeah So google says <laughs> anyway sorry but um <laughs> <laughs> so actually at this point in time uh one of the other things i got into Uh, that I just did a complete 180 on and my boss said there was a huge change because before I really got into stoicism, I would have my anxious moments. And especially at work, I had that imposter syndrome going on with becoming a network engineer, because it's a lot of work because we're not just like playing around with switches and routers. We're also having to do the builds for the, for the data closets and everything. So it's mapping those out, figuring that out, doing the wireless designs for an entire college campus. And I had so much imposter syndrome that it would just paralyze me to, to the point where I was afraid to try new things. And I think one of my coworkers started to notice that and he started mentoring me. And I'm pretty sure my boss sent him over to be like, I don't know what's going on with her, but you know, she needs some help. And so when I got into stoicism and after my mom passed, I was like, you know what? I wouldn't be an engineer. They wouldn't have hired me if they didn't think I had some potential. So one of the things that I had to get into was get my CCNA, which is the um, professional kind of certification you would get as a network engineer. Usually if they're looking for a certification for a network engineer, CCNA is the main one they're gonna go for. CCNP is the next one up and that's a really good one. But so I started studying that and I actually took that test and passed it. And that for me, I was like, this is, I can, I can do this, I can do this, man. And so I took the wireless course, the CWNA, and was so fascinated. The design and the idea behind wireless is crazy how they manipulate radio frequencies to carry data in it so that you can send pictures of your cat to your grandma in some (laughs) other country or something like that is amazing and do it really fast it's crazy the things that you can do and and seeing i'm not going to bore the heck out of people with modulation and all that but <laughs> these are things that are fascinating to me and nobody cares if like oh my gosh do you not understand how cool fiber is man they're like shooting a li- like a light down this tiny little core down a cable and it sends pictures and all sorts of data. like It could send this whole video file. And that's amazing to me. And most people are like, yeah, that's cool. I just know my internet is slow. And uh, can you fix that? I don't <laughs> give a crap about any of this. But that's one of the things I've been studying. Um, and the other thing that I've been studying in depth that it's taking some time. And uh, I'm still not at the stage where I can speak very well. But Japanese. Japanese is the other oh, thing that I've been.
0: Yeah. learning. You're learning how to speak Japanese. Okay, I need like besides konnichiwa or well i can i let me think of what i can say in japanese because obviously konnichiwa is on the list i can say uh watashi wa Kim, and that's it <laughs> no i can say yoku dekimashita i don't remember what that means though <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's all good i was like that the well the way japanese the way they set up the lessons is, I'm still in the polite-sounding phase. To the point, if mm. you talk this way to Japanese people, they're like, "Are you talking to the emperor? Or why are you being so polite?" It's like learning proper English, and you're like, "Nobody talks like that." You know, right. I'll say, you know, I'm trying to think of something to uh, that I would say. Uh, probably the kind of stuff I would say is, uh, "Kohi to ocha o uh, no hogaides," or as I prefer tea and coffee things Mm. like that um i haven't learned any cool stuff i haven't learned how to say dirty words yet that's going to be my favorite part is just finding out all the terrible words that i can say in japanese um and there's some stuff that i'm still working on on the grammar because the grammar of japanese is very simple compared to english but the problem is if you have learned english grammar simple stuff seems complicated because english is the most Is the stupidest language I've ever seen
0: the way it's structured well well, but I love it so much because it's it's that's what's great about English is you know you have those very structured languages like German where if they want to describe a feeling they just kind of make these huge weird compound words you know like they just keep saying it until and they say it's one word have you ever seen those lists like 13 uh, German words you need to know and it's like this is the longest word ever because they're just adding words on top of words. Um, but What I love about uh, English is it kind of forces you to have to be poetic at times. And I think that that's a lot of fun because you can have so much like, here's my question. You were in a mariachi band. Is it easier to rhyme in English or in Spanish? Because like, how does, how does rhyme work over there? Do they have as many chances of that as we do?
2: Uh, they probably do. Cause I mean, there are, There's there are some words I'm pretty sure have similar sounding endings to them, Uh, especially the because the way they can conjugate verbs, it's going to. I wonder if that sounds repetitive, because if you're conjugating verbs and trying to use that as a rhyming scheme, uh, Mm -hmm. I think every every language kind of has that. But it could be different for languages where they're like Legos. Japanese is the same way where in English you just make an entirely different word or it sounds slightly different when you're saying something where in Japanese, it's like Legos. I was like, I'll just take this one word and I'll take this ending off and put this one on. and But the front right. of the word is still exactly the same.
0: Macho. But
2: yeah, which I think makes more sense. And of course, English is my first language. I wasted my time on an English degree and I write poetry <laughs> and it is fun to make. Uh, I won't deny that English can be very poetic. It's just the idea of it and the fact that they had to bastardize and steal stuff. It's just like in the, it's, it's very difficult. And I anybody out there who has learned English as a second language, more power to you. That's gotta be the hardest <laughs> thing.
0: <laughs> I just love it though. I love that we that our language is borrowed and patchwork and we we, we bring the you know romantic elements, we bring those ger- Germanic element elements, which is what makes words like, um you know pluralizing octopus a lot of fun because you know a lot I forget the exact understanding of or it's why octopuses. it's this way well it's like people will say octopus octopuses and um that is technically correct because it's one of those that came into our language and didn't have its own pluralization within our language right okay. um so we just add a yes to it and that's how English works um but it, it people also like to say octopi which is incorrect because i believe that's like the latin putting a latin ending on a greek word and so that's not right but if you wanted to say it correctly in greek it would be octipides would be the the plural and so i i just lo- I, I love that you get to have these kind of fun th- and try to figure things out like moose mooses <laughs> or Moose like I love that there are words like fish like this is a pet peeve of mine and I, I feel like if you're looking at an aquarium and you see like four or five seven different species of fish you go look at all the different fishes but if it's just all one thing all a bunch of fish you you would say look at all those fish yep. and I think that there's a, a use case for both but I hate when I hear the word fishes most of the time that I hear it, I'm like, just stop it. <laughs> it's
2: like, just go with the fishies. <laughs> sound really odd. But yeah, yeah. OK, I, yeah, I can see I can see that point. And I forgot what a comedian had this this bit about. And it's like, what is it? You know, if you say ox or oxen, mm-hmm. then why don't you say boxing? Boxin'? Right. Yeah. You Brian Regan. Boxes. <laughs> yeah. A have-
0: in a donuts. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's that's what's kind of fun about it is because I guess oxen came with its own pluralization and box is just ours. Yeah. <laughs> but boxes.
2: Where did, where, where did Jessica get it? We didn't we just traumatize the heck out her.
0: <laughs> that is that may or may not be what happened. Um, but um, so I have been I, what I love about me asking you what you've learned is you. I think you and me are very similar, but we're also very different. Because, you know, you've been doing the stoicism stuff some, but all the stuff you named was like extremely practical stuff. And all of my stuff is like, I am currently entrenched in um, learning about ancient cosmology. Who does that help? I, people who want to know more about the Bible and how Genesis works. But other than that, no one. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> like
2: cosmology is, in what sense?
0: So, you know, cosmology as in um, understanding of uh, creation, essentially. So um, I can't, I I don't have a full, I haven't fully grokked ancient cosmology yet, but it's really interesting to look at Genesis as it compares to the other um, cultures and religions around it at that time. So, for example... um, One of the cool things about Genesis when you're looking at the culture surrounding it is that it is kind of also a debate against those other cultures. So it's the book is part polemic. It's part poetry. It's part narrative. Um, What it's not is a science book at all. And so one of the things that I'm that he's I'm really kind of reading now in this book that I'm reading is about how when we think about um okay so when we read Genesis we think that these people when they wrote it must think like us we're like 4 to 4 to 6000 years uh separated from them we live in a completely different context a completely different understanding and so when we read the bible and it talks about creation seeing as we've gone through um these different periods and We all, we believe in reason and we believe in science. We read these and we read them as if they are um, descriptions of material creation insofar as like a science book. And so, excuse me. So when they say something like Rakia, which uh, is translated often as the expanse, um, the understanding in that time period was that it was literally a dome. And uh, they have, so when you're reading this, you're seeing all these different understandings that make sense within their, their world, but it doesn't make sense to us because we have ships that have gone into space and we've seen what the earth looks like. We've seen all of this different stuff. And so it really shows that when God was teaching about creation and how he created the world, he was speaking into their language and their understanding in that time. And that's that that's why when we say nothingness, we bring in this scientific idea of lack, like absolute zero, a, a concept they didn't have. When they thought of nothingness, they thought of um, turbulent waters. The ocean was nothingness. The desert was nothingness. And so when you when you start looking at the first two chapters of Genesis, you see this common thread, that god is um naming things he is um giving them purpose and he is putting them in into use right so it's about identity in some way and it's also about um what like purpose it's about purpose so what is this for and if it doesn't do something it doesn't have a purpose much like the ocean which has nothing for us to like What do we live from on the ocean? It's not water you can drink. What can you eat in the desert? And so you see these two different accounts, which people are like, oh, these disagree. It's like, no, these are two separate accounts. One is describing the cosmological origin and the other the terrestrial origin. And it's so fascinating to me. Maybe y'all are getting bored. I don't know. Um, But what interests me about it, it was this one um, analogy he made. And he said, So if you walked up to someone in our time and you said, um, how did this house become your home? And like you'll you'll say, Oh, well, well we we wanted to build this house. So we went to an, ar- an architect, we had him draw up the plans, we went to a general contractor, we we did all of these different things to and they, you talk about the physical building of the home, right? Whereas the question that the people in that time in the ancient Near East was if you ask them that question, they would say, oh, well, it became a home when we put uh, Kim's bed into her room, when we put the, the, the table into the dining room, when we put the TV into the, the living room, we define these spaces by what they're for and their purpose and so when you're reading genesis and you're wanting to get a scientific explanation of the origins of material what you're getting is a different story completely i mean it's it, it it comes with the understanding that god did in fact create all of this and that's the point of the story the point of the story is to say who did it not exactly how they materialized these things scientifically right he at what he did. Um, and there's a lot of really cool stuff within the Hebrew text that's completely missed by our translations because English isn't perfect because Greek has words that we can't figure out. Um, Hebrew has words we can't figure out. Um, but it's that this is kind of the world that i've I've stuck my nose in, um, which is fascinating because there there are a lot of different mythologies and a lot of different pantheons, especially in that region. But if you if you kind of take a generalized picture of how religion worked in that time and how creation accounts worked, uh, one good example is the Norse mythology, because when the earth was created, it was created by Odin and his brothers after they took down the giant Emir. So Emir was a giant and he exists because (laughs) it's so fun. Um, So in Norse mythology, there was nothing in a sense or rather there was a gap between what would be called the Ganunga gap. And in this gap was a horse not a horse, a cow and a block of ice. And inside of this block of ice was a giant. And the, the cow licked at the block of ice until the giant was freed. And then uh, some, he had some kids, Odin and his two brothers. They killed the giant. And then, Odin went about the business of creating Earth, and so the sky was the inside of his skull, water is his 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 blood, um, the trees are from his bones, or you know you have all of these different explanations. They're all born out of a, a god having to fight and having to prove himself, and it comes out of violence. And it's and then you 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 look at um let's say who was it um Marduk, so the Babylonian gods. Uh, he had to fight, and this is closer in relation to how Genesis talks about it, um, but he had to fight fight Tiamat, which was kind of seen as that turbulent water, that uncreation of water, that chaos, uh, but into a dragon form. And then he fought her, her, that her for dominion. And then you have this little tiny speck of people in this area, who have this story about how their God didn't have anyone. He had to fight in order to create. He spoke and it was made. He named things and it was made. And so it's it's like I'm reading through this and I'm just like, oh, I love this book so much more than I did because I was reading it like someone who expects something that's not there. I was reading it for an understanding that it wasn't intended to be. And so I've just enjoyed the heck out of learning this. Um, But one of the things that I pulled out of this just recently that I realized is um, when it comes to the image of God, this is a very fascinating concept. Um, The Babylonians, the Sumerians, all of these people, they had kings, and the kings often saw themselves as gods or the sons of gods, right? Right. And so as these god men, what they would do is they would set up these statues, these idols of themselves that would watch over the place. And people thought this or another god, the god actually lived within this idol. And so these were the images of God. And so the only person who had the image of God was the king and not everyone else. And so Genesis comes in to destroy this thing and say, no, all people have the image of God. And so then you look, you're, you're in Genesis two and you've just read about how God created everything in the cosmos. You, you read about how he did it on the land. And then you have this little portion where Adam, who is created in the image of God, starts doing some work. And the image of God is a job title among other things. And so you, your job is to image God onto this earth. And what's the first thing that we see Adam do in the garden is he, the animals come to him and he names them just like God named everything else and gave it purpose. He named it. So literally that his first move as a human being was to be the image of God that we were, we were meant to be. And that little thing right there, just, I love these little things that I can tie together and go, Oh, wow. And I just monologued. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, the reason I asked <laughs> was uh, because uh, when you said cosmology, it just made me think of the fact. Uh, um, I, I think the last time that I was on, uh, I was going through the on the um, Stoic College, the online mm-hmm. yeah. you know version of how they used to do like Greek uh, and philosophy schools. You'd go to a place. Well, I was taking the Stoic Essentials School at the time. Uh, which was only like about four months and then after that they have the marcus aurelius course which is a year mm. long and it goes through what you know all of those philosoph- philosophical systems had a system of ethics physics and logic and so i found stoic physics really fascinating because of course mm. the stoic god is entirely different than um the christian god uh yeah. where you're more dependent on the on the cosmos because that's literally the their idea of the numa is incorporated Numa also something that's familiar mm-hmm. but the the way they have it is god is their the stoic god isn't actually a being of any sort it's more so the the thing that is ordering the universe and but you'll see of course Even Stoics now, they incorporate Stoicism, but they're Christians, and you'll see them refer to God, or you see Marcus Aurelius refer to God, and some of the, you know, but they would say Zeus or whatever, but they would have a different name for it, but it was all the cosmos and how you're a part of it, and it's within you. So that's why I was like, that's a fascinating thing, because I've seen different versions of, um, you know, how... Everybody has an origin story. You know, there are a bunch of them, you know, back from the past, especially back then people needed to find a reason to explain, you know, because it is crazy. It's like humans just appear. Did they just appear? all the stuff just disappear <laughs> So of course they had to have some sort of explanation, but I did find that fascinating. The thing that I had to do for after that year long, um, and the best part of the Marcus Aurelius course is that you're not being taught. You're not teaching your mentor because you have a mentor. You have to actually tell him what you studied and you have to make a, curic- a curriculum and you have to give him all the details. And all he does is just, or she, but there are no mentors that are women yet. Mm-hmm. Could be eventually but it it took so much work and so much studying to do and at the end i had to compare the stoic god to the christian god in um in a way that wasn't is purposely not supposed to be flattering to the christian god which was an interesting thing to try to do <laughs> and uh so you know i pulled it off you know in a it was really like i said it was very difficult to do uh yeah. considering um but it, it's fascinating seeing how different people explain certain things. And I do find that topic interesting. That book does sound really yeah. cool to get into because I love that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and if you pair what I'm, I've been learning with some of the other books that I've read about um, Genesis six and Deuteronomy 32, which is the the concept of the sons of God, the other um, cosmic beings, or not cosmic spiritual beings within his realm. Like you start looking at some of these other gods like Odin, like Vishnu, like all of these in a different light because there's, there's a story in there about how that came to be and what those things are. And so it's like, I could, I don't, that one's harder for me to talk about clearly because it's so freaking complicated, but Absolutely fascinating. One of my favorite things that came out of reading it is in um, Genesis 1, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We translate it as, and the earth was without form and void. Eh, not very uh, poetic at all. And uh, the the writer of Genesis, when he wrote this, he uh, he did a, a rhyme in there, which is tohu Bohu." which if you tried to, to translate it, it's better if you would if you can kind of keep something similar to rhyme, you can use alliteration, but if you said wild and waste. And so like the, these little pieces, and it's just, I love that. I love finding out these little things that maybe no one else in the world cares about, but that little rhyme scheme that, that clears up my understanding of what was before I live for this crap, man. <laughs>
2: nice, nice. I feel um, it. I feel it.
0: But no, I mean, but that's that's what's so cool is because once you start, um, if once you read some of the books in this one that I'm talking about, um, when you see the epic of Exodus and how God manhandled all of their gods, it's like this is so much more interesting than I thought. I didn't realize that every plague uh came at one of their gods and tore down their god like it's fascinating and i will definitely find someone i'd really like to talk to a guy named john h walton or his son about this this topic because it's i'm having so much fun reading reading stuff that people call me a nerd for
2: <laughs> yeah it's all good i mean as as long as you're you're happy with it you know i mean <laughs> you know uh, people say i could have probably uh you know based my time around you know an instrument that's more exciting but you know if you get if you love what you love man i will play the same five notes over for 10 minutes and love it because gosh man i just like <laughs> fill the bass. The it's just it's my soul right there you know
0: yeah well what's this cool about the bass as well is like you can feel it when you're playing guitar because I've played both. You can kind of feel the rhythm when you're doing it, but when you're doing the bass, there's so much more feeling going on because you're directing like that. Yes, the drum drummer's keeping time, but you're directing a lot of stuff. And it's not just the person at the front singing who's doing the doing the work. And I love I love a good bass line. It was it's too bad. Um it takes it's hard for some people to even hear it. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, it's <laughs> you're like the the one thing in the mix because a lot of people like to mix it so you can feel it, and you you make a very good point, and that's one of the things that I um, I started also with, like attending the online Scott based Lessons Academy, and they have some very advanced lessons that are you don't want to start that without knowing what at least the basics of what you're doing, because they say, oh, yeah, beginners can do it. And like within like the first few lessons, this dude is off like creating bass lines. I'm like, dude, they haven't even learned the C major scale yet. Like, what are you doing? But (laughs) um, there's a point that they always make is that basses have so much power and control that they have to be careful with it because you can change the feeling of a song um, just by the bass line you're playing. And so it's an interesting job and a balance because I'm listening to the drummer and, it's the most fun when you're actually having to create a baseline because you you know you're listening to the the kick drum first and you're seeing that beat how that's going go to your snare go to the you know the symbols and you're make making your baseline off of that at the same time the key of the song so you've got to know what notes are in that key because the guitarist of course especially the lead guitarist is sitting over here making the solo and if you just are all over the place with their bass line. That guitar is not going to know where to go. You're just going to mess yeah. up the whole thing. They need you to have that strong backbeat. You got to keep the melody. You got to keep the time, and you have to keep the key. And you have to do it like a machine. And yeah. the way a lot of bassists will play, my instructor said uh, when he was in school, he said his John Patatucci just said, "What I'm going to have you do as bassist to really drill that home is I'm going to set a timer for an hour, and you're going to play the same exact bass line that entire hour." And see if Man. you can do it. It's hard. And yeah. there are, are baselines where I'm just playing the same groove for and I'll set a timer for five, 10, 30 minutes and play the same exact groove. And, and you start to realize as you settle in, like, you know, if you're playing maybe some eighth notes, you know, you can play them and they sound super constipated. You're playing the, you know, the notes, as you see them on the page, there's no feeling to it. But once you keep playing, all of a sudden that groove sets in and you can hit that just behind the beat kind of feel, and you can feel that Change you can feel the difference between a bassist who's just playing notes and a bassist who's learned to set into that groove, and it just takes sitting there with a metronome and playing the same damn thing for an eternity and doing it like a machine to the point where nobody notices it.
0: Hmm. Man, well, did you see that video? Not, I don't know who what band it was or anything, but there was a band that was playing a set and the click track died for some reason. And so the drummer didn't have any idea what the timing should be. And he was using that click track to uh, make it work. And a guy, I don't know if he was a drum tech or a guitar tech or what, gets behind the drummer, takes a drumstick, and was tapping the time on the back of his his hi-hat leg so that he could keep time and keep playing. And it was just incredible to watch because this guy who was just sitting off on the side, tapping this drummer's leg, saved the whole show.
2: That's so crazy. That just reminds me of how many people need to love your metronome people. Learn to play with the damn metronome. <laughs> like people are like, it ruins my creative flow or whatever bullshit. But then you have to have situations where somebody's got to tap the rhythm out for you just yeah. to play. You got to have that innate rhythm. And the only way you get that is playing often and playing in tempo to the point where if all the instruments drop out, you're like, what the hell are you doing? I'm still in tempo. Like get with the times, you know? Yeah. It's just it's something you have to have.
0: Well, it's kind of like I I do think I kind of have some basic rhythm, not in dancing, not in dancing um but when it comes to to music and stuff because it was it was always i can't when i sing to my kids i can't not sing it in the correct time like if i try to sing it out of time i will go insane and so even if they if i have to talk and say something to them in the middle of singing i will continue in so you know there's this pause and it's like ba ba, you know and I say something to them, and then I continue not from where I stopped singing, but from the place that I would have been if I hadn't talked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's how my brain works.
2: <laughs> well, at least you're doing that. At, you know, one of the, the places where it drives me, cra- and an, it's a musician in me. And it was always at war when you go to church and everybody's in the spirit, but you got that person clapping on one and three and you're just like, they're feeling the spirit. Don't even think about it. But I'm like, oh, two and four, two and four. Why can't here, let me help you. Oh, stop They're Just let them worship. Well,
0: yeah, (laughs) well, um, that if you ever, okay, so on TikTok, occasionally I will run into um, these TikToks, these videos of musicians doing worship music and they kind of bum me out. Because like you'll you'll because you'll hear what's in their ear when they're playing, and so there's there's some music directors usually someone on the stage that's going okay now uh, do the you know it's like the guitar so okay now we need to move to this part and you hear all of this and the counting and, and I'm like I hate that yeah <laughs> I need to find wow. one and send it to you it's so annoying I hear it and I'm like none of this like it's wait this is too structured for me
2: <laughs> yeah i can't i can't deal with that if it, oh that reminds me of the there was this guy i was going to join for the first time i was going to be in this death metal band and i was like yeah that's gonna be a pinnacle that takes some fast playing and yeah. so this guy just wanted to dictate everything. Like he was sending the, he's like, I wrote these songs, and he was sending me the sheet music. And he was like, Oh, you need to get this kind of, uh, you know, pedal and this kind of amp and this and this. I'm just like, Homie, uh-uh. It's like, Whoa, you're dictating everything <laughs> I got to do. I'm gonna have no creativity whatsoever. And that's, I, I can't deal with that. You know, I can have suggestions. I'm not rigid. But you know, if yep. you're telling me, Okay, we're moving to this part and this part, I'm like, Just get, you no, know, get out of my head. <laughs> Let me feel the music. <laughs>
0: it's so it's so weird to see and uh drives me like I said it drives me crazy I don't like that idea that when everyone's trying to worship and trying to get into this mindset and all these people on stage are hearing all of the okay now okay go do it big do it big do it big and I'm like I hate this I hate it so much
2: the musicians on the stage are also filling the spirit too so if you just get somebody talking in your ear you can't really you're trying to draw the crowd into you know worship so if somebody's talking in your ear you're just so busy concentrating on that that it becomes generic yeah. to me you know you also have to be filling the spirit at the same time
0: mm-hmm. um uh moving past that for a second because last night i read about um separately from what the book i'm reading about canaanite gods for a little bit, like El and Baal and Ash, uh, Asherah, <clears throat> and it, I've I just finished reading through Exodus. I'm on I'm in Leviticus now because I'm reading through the whole thing again. Um, but I just passed the story in Exodus where God had just give, laid out the plans for the covenant for the people, and they said they agreed to it. Um, and then Moses went up to the mountain to. Uh, get the plans for the tabernacle and all these different things, as well as to get the Ten Commandments on the stones and come back down. And he was up there for so long that the people started getting restless. And uh, they went to his brother Aaron and said, Aaron, uh, build us a God that we can worship for getting us out of Egypt. And so Aaron says, yes, give me all of your earrings, nose rings, and your your gold, and I'll fashion you an idol that we can worship uh, for getting us out of Egypt. They kept saying that, like, it, it is very important for you to know that they're moving the worship from Yahweh to this calf that saved them from Egypt. And so as I was reading through the... um different things about canaanite gods i came upon the fact that uh baal who might be might be tied to hadad um he his um visage as well as human was a bull and so it's even happening like that stuff i'm talking about the the ancient cosmology and all these places this is still having a direct effect within the story of the exodus and you know god gets real mad when they they start doing this. And um, Moses goes up to talk to God, and God says, uh, you'll be safe, essentially. I'm going to paraphrase, obviously. You'll be safe. You stay up here. I'm just going to go and kill all of them and start a new nation with you. And Moses is like, no, 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 no. And what's interesting is I've heard a lot of people theologizing around the fact that um, Moses spoke to God, prayed to God, and God changed His mind and d- decided to spare the people. Right, with except for those who like really started the business, they got judged very harshly. Um, people are always like, "Oh, did did Moses change God's mind, or is He immutable?" Or, and it's really fascinating is if you actually look at that conversation and what Moses says to God in order to change His mind, is He. Um, he appeals to his consistency. He appeals to his character. And he says, This is who you are. Do you want, do you really want to do this? I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> and God's like, No, you're right. This isn't me. I'm not gonna do that. And it's just all because of this this world that's around them. The Egyptians and then the Canaanites they all have their own gods and their own cosmologies. And this whole story is going, let me set the record straight and also hear some cool stories. I love it. Sorry. I love this stuff, (laughs) man. Oh, I bought so many books, but so many books. I'm going to finish this one. Um, And then there's uh, another one I want to read by Michael Gorman, who I'm trying to get on our show called shut up, Siri, Um, (laughs) who I'm trying to get on my show. Uh, he wrote a book called reading revelation responsibly, I believe is the name of the title. So I just got that. That'll be my next book because everyone's always like, let's talk about revelation. Let's talk about eschatology. And I'm like, dude, I just want to know about Genesis right now. (laughs) This is interesting because you don't have revelation, Or even the Gospels, if you don't have Genesis and the whole story that's set out from there. And so I'm like, I want to do the whole thing. Let me get the Gospel all the way through from beginning to end. Um, But yeah, I'm going to do Revelation next, and then I guess i got to fill out the rest of the books.
2: (laughs) Right on. Well, I mean, do what you love, man, especially in these crazy times. Do what you love, because that's going to... You know keep you going forward just keeps you there's something in having to do all the bullshit you got to do throughout the day but knowing you get to come home to that but you get to come home to that study and yeah. I have that feeling with music you know even with I nerd out with music theory I have this awesome book called easy the e- easy ear training handbook um by mm. uh, it's like Roberta uh I think it's Radke uh and she's the ear training chair at the uh, Berkeley School of Music and it's just fascinating like how they put those things together, And I'm just that person just sitting here with this book with my keyboard and my bass just over here figuring out how to do intervals between chords and, you know, really learning the ear training to the point where I've got the simple stuff down where I can hear a song and I can actually, okay, transpose that to a sheet of paper now. And the the start with that, of course, is I'm going to bring it back to the topic I keep the bass line the bass line is your key to ear training whether it's played by a piano something that's playing that bass line itself it's usually a bass guitar in in western music um is your your context is like okay this bass player is playing that that sounds like it's in and this is where knowing your skills comes in important so i'm just always at home consuming this and people other people out there partying and stuff and i'm over here like now just hours just sitting here with ear training and it's just hearing somebody else have a passion like that is always good to, to hear from me because uh, you know, the way you're talking about this is the way that I talk about your training and all that. And I just, <laughs> right. I just love seeing that on people's face. Like the look <laughs> on your face while you're talking about it, you just love it. And it's such a good thing to see.
0: I love it. And it's, it's, it's like, who am I going to have these conversations with? Because this is like such high level stuff that most people have no conception of it. And so kind of the way my brain works is I want to take these concepts and try to boil them down so that I can have this conversation and talk about this and have people understand me and understand the the subject a little bit more. Um, but yeah, no, there's I I just love I I love where I am when it comes to learning because I I do so much more of it now than I did when I was a kid. Oh, speaking of not your, what did you say? Your learning, your training, yeah, your training. Not that, but um, my my son, my oldest, uh, he wants to play guitar. Um, my my I got my wife a, a guitar a couple of years ago. She gave that to him, and he keeps asking me to um, tune it because he gets out of tune very easily. And I've told him that I'm not going to let him use the tuner. And he's like, "Why? I don't have this skill." And so I'm trying to give him a skill I don't have. Um, and so what I what I've been doing is I've, you know. Um, tuned my guitar correctly and I have it just right on the money with my tuner and then I say okay tune it and I do the top string and I play it for him and I'm like match it and so he's going through and I'm by the time my goal is by the time he's like 10 years old he'll be able to tune a guitar at any point in time without needing a tuner or anything he will just be able to go and, and move on because I never had that skill and I'm like how do I teach it to him <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's a good thing and uh the especially if you at least have one string in tune, I love the harmonics method is mm, literally yeah. just, you know, not pressing down the string you get one if you're like the top string, you like just barely press over the fret, you know, not holding it down, you just pluck that harmonic, usually a uh, closer to like the bridge and let that ring out and then you go a fret down and then go to the 7th fret and do the same harmonic method. Yep. And those two should sound exactly the same, and that's a really good way to to really tu- tune your guitar. Uh, yeah. But the method you're using is good, especially when they're young. Usually, I, I forgot what age. It's like a very young age, maybe the first year that uh, um, a child is developing. Is the claim is that's when perfect pitch can happen. Like yeah. later than that, all of a sudden it's just gone, and all you can do is relative pitch. But you know. But that also might drive somebody crazy because then they'll start hearing the pitch of every single thing around and just drive you yeah. up the wall.
0: Do you know who Charlie Puth is?
2: Yes, just okay. not not very well. I've known the name though.
0: Yeah, I've never listened to his music. It's not my style. Um, but he's on TikTok and he has one of the most annoying TikToks because, like, he'll just be he'll he'll be sitting somewhere and he'll he'll see another TikTok or he'll hear something in his house and he'll go he'll mm. That's C sharp minor followed by and it's like shut up. Stop. Stop <laughs> that. <laughs>
2: yeah. And you know, it's like, don't flaunt that skill.
0: <laughs> right. It's it's and there's another guy, I forget his Benny Blanco or something that just makes fun of him all the time. And I I like his account purely because the guy who's making fun of him. I'll only will see his videos because the guy who makes fun of him. Uh, <laughs> uh, so y- I know you wanted to talk about, um, do you feel like you covered stoicism with dreams and interests? You feel like you you, you covered that? Cause I have a list uh, of the things that we talked about and I'm like, oh, I want to get yeah. to everything she wanted to talk about.
2: Um, yeah, pretty much. You know, I just use that. Well, I guess the only other point I would say is uh, you know, just never be limiting to yourself. If you The one thing Stoics talk about is, of course, the control. And the only thing you can control is, you know, pursuing your dreams step by step, doing little bits at a time. And so there's not a single thing that you can't do. And when somebody says that I can't do this or somebody told me I can't even play bass because I have finger issues, I'm like, one of the guys who's teaching, you know, Scott Devine from Scott Bass Lessons has a a neurological disorder in his hand. He'll be wearing a glove playing bass because if he doesn't wear it, his fingers will do funky things. Someone like, Yeah. but he plays the hell out of that bass. So it's like, yeah. don't let anything limit you. I've also seen a guitar player who had one arm and he had like this thing on his arm and he was strumming with like whatever <laughs> it was and just rocking that guitar. I'm like, yeah, no excuses, man.
0: We're like Def Leppard, their drummer, one or arm. It's like you can, you, you, you can either make the excuse or you can make your dreams come true. Yeah. Do it. Um, so the other thing that I that you mentioned, I think, was you wanted to talk about a specific philosopher who lived in the heyday of Sto- Stoicism, and I don't think we've touched on that.
2: Oh, um, oh man. I don't even have all my notes on it. You know, it was just uh, recently I've been trying to get into, it's uh, Seneca the Younger, which is one of the, uh, I guess, the late Stoa, because they're about like different, you know, there's a middle Stoa and all that. But Seneca... I found interesting because he um, had to be the mentor to Nero who was like one of the worst emperors ever. Um, And then Seneca ended up having to, uh, you know, uh, I guess it's complete suicide because he was being punished, but he was not the most perfect of Stoics, but I like him because he was, he was also, he was a playwright and he, you know, was a poet, that sort of thing. And he also, was exiled at some point because at some point he was accused of having an affair. So, you know, had to go through the usual, it seemed like back then in the Greek and Roman times, man, if any of these people, these emperors thought just didn't like you, they'd be like, Oh, he like slept with my niece's, yeah. you know sister or something and they just exile you and so a lot of his writings in exile are like the most stoic thing I've ever seen talking about how you know I'm exiled away from everybody I care about but I still get to see the stars I get to yeah. see this he has some great writings and the reason I like his writings because he has he doesn't on different topics like on anger on death and, spe- and he was writing to um somebody's mentor, and his name is Lucius, and he was this young guy, and he's just had this huge, huge book of letters that was just writing on these different topics, on friendship, all sorts of stuff, and I found him the most fascinating out of its, like, usually Marcus Aurelius um, is the other one that people talk about, and I like Marcus Aurelius. Meditations is a really good thing to read. It's not easy to digest when you're first starting out, but Seneca, I think, is a little more accessible, I think to most people and if you ever have a topic that's were like i'm dealing with this he's most likely going to have a letter on it hmm. and i just think his life is fascinating because a lot of people and you see it a lot now um with every sort of public figure there is they're like well you know, who cares if this person was great? Well, they didn't follow their philosophy here. Or, you know, like with Christians, oh, like, you know, that Christian isn't perfect because they messed up here. Well, nobody's ever going to be perfect. But, you know, you can't take away from their whole body of work and the stuff that they leave behind just because they made a one mistake. But we're in a culture these days where people can go back and see your post from like 10 years ago and then totally cancel you for that garbage. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like, like that person is perfect that tried to cancel you.
0: <laughs> I wish I could cancel Cam from 12 years ago because his facebook posts are so cringy they're so cringy i'm like why did i write this (laughs) you dork absolute nerd um so one of the one of the things i wanted to mention because you mentioned nero uh one of the fascinating things that i've learned just recently uh well somewhat before but like I, i heard more details recently and it piqued my interest again is if you read the book of revelation you you have the number of the beast which is 666 um and it turns out they use a lot of coding within with numbers to pass along messages that they didn't want a um someone who would throw them in jail for being christian to to know and uh one of the 666 is actually there were if you do the the math that they use for this for this name it is it means nero and so it's describing nero and then other people will come in and say actually it's supposed to be 616 if you look here it's 616 and the story behind 616 was that when it was translated into latin the math didn't work anymore and so they they decided to put in 616 because it added up to nero And so it's we know for sure that it was talking about Nero. And one of the things that I I heard, I think it was yesterday, this historian was talking about how um, after Nero died, he was so bad and he was such a uh, horrible figure who persecuted people that people would actually believe that he was going to come back after his death and hurt people again. Wow, and so, I mean, it's just uh, just so fascinating. Um, the last uh, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you because it's like what? um, but the last thing that I wanted to ask you about is, um so after that whole deal with the Washington Post, you know, I've been tweeting and making jokes for years, decades, decades, decade and a half at at this point. Um, but, I've never gotten paid for jokes before. And that seems like it would be really a cool thing. I tweeted and it had nothing to do with this Washington post thing. Just, I had a really good Twitter day and I got a notification on my phone from PayPal and someone had sent me $15 and it said, uh, for all the laughs you gave me on Twitter today. Nice. And I was awesome like, yeah, hell yeah. Um, now that you're playing music and potentially being paid, I don't know how that's working, but how is it, what's it like to be paid for your art? Because it's, I know what it feels like for me, but in this little instance, but what does it feel like for you?
2: It's, it's pretty nice to me. Uh, and that's again, one of the great things about being in cover bands, especially the, I'm trying to get into cover bands that do weddings cause they make serious money, but yeah. it's, it's nice because I would do music for free, but the thing is I'm, I'm gonna step in and people are gonna probably not like me for this. You know, I love my friends. Don't ask me to do your stuff for free because yeah, it's a lot of my time that I have to do this. Yeah. I have to learn these songs and I have to spend time playing them and this whole band has to play them. So don't do this whole like the thing i think musicians do incorrectly they think because they're starving artists okay i have to play to get my name out there to get recognition no people are going to use the hell out of you for a while you make sure of course your product's going to be worth it you know spend time make sure that your music is going to be good first but at the same time just you know set up gigs network and all of that and at the beginning you're not going to make a ton especially that's why a lot of people don't want to recruit More than one guitarist, or whatever they want a singer, a vocalist who also plays guitar, because you know you have to split that money at the end of the night, (laughs) and especially if you're on a bill with a bunch of other bands, you're splitting it, and you can end up with something like as small as like twenty six bucks to me, which to me is fine. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? That's like my drinks after this performance. I'm great, you know. I just played, and I now they're paying for my drinks basically. But it it is a really cool thing to know that, you know, you're up there and you get the benefit of having money in your pocket after. And if you do certain shows, you'll have a decent amount of money, especially if you're doing it week after week, man. It's an amazing side gig. And there are people who've gotten to the point they play so often because their name um, is out there so often that they were able to quit their job because they're just doing nothing yeah. but playing covers.
0: <laughs> that that sounds Um, In a different context, because I'm not a musician. I play guitar, but not well. Um, Perfect. I would love to be able to do the things that I love doing and to get paid for them instead of doing the silly things that I do now. You know, I guess just some of the conversations I have, Kim, with some of these people, it's like, I can't tell you how many times I've forwarded an email to a um, fellow coworker and said something like, can we offer this person a class, some sort of master class in how to understand emails and how to answer questions when asked? Because they don't know how to do it. It's incredible. It's, it, it's, I thought, I, you know, people, I can't, I can't even describe how freaking ridiculous it is. Like, how do I ask you a question directly and you tell me everything but what I asked you. Like, how do you do that? It's like, it, it's easy. Just answer the dang question.
2: <laughs> yeah, Well, that's like working in it. So did you reboot it? Well, I did this. No, did, I don't give a shit. Did you reboot the computer? And then <laughs> yes, there have you seen there? The, I love it. There's that meme that says this guy's like, I just spent four hours driving to push the power button on a server that four different people assured me was already on not on he drove (laughs) that far just to hit the power button and you know it's just people lose their minds. you ask them a direct question and they're everywhere and you're like that is not even close to what i asked you
0: (laughs) yeah it's like here let me tell you my life story no just tell me tell me the thing i need to know to finish this job so i don't have to talk to you anymore like that's all i need all i need i i I don't want to be stuck with you Um, (laughs) um is there anything else you'd like to to Bring out or bring up in this moment, because we're um, we're nearing we're a little past an hour and a half, so oops. we could wrap <laughs> up if you want.
2: <laughs> um. Well, the one key I would give in this is, uh, you know, also for your son as well. Uh, musicians, especially this, like people who play guitar and bass,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, the thing that is going to unlock your skill is number one, learn your scales. -hmm. Learn your scales because once you figure that out, you can actually learn stuff by ear easily. Because yeah, there are only 12 notes in Western music. However, you can either spend forever just sliding your finger around trying to find that note, or you can learn your scales and listen to the song and be like, that is in D minor. And there are only seven notes in that scale. So you're gonna find it pretty fast. So Mm -hmm. I'd say learn your scales, bass players, learn your chord tones, which is of course, if you learn your scales, it's will be your first, third, fifth, and sometimes seventh note. And these are important things. So, musicians out there, learn your scales. Basses, learn your chord tones. Guitarists, learn your chord shapes. And you're going to be out there making money. That's all I have to say about that.
0: Hey, that sounds great. I'm going to start making money with music too. That's the goal. <laughs> nice. Um, <Look> at you. <laughs> well, you know, you, I, I'm just going to keep you all the way to the end because you know I don't have Jessica with me right now. Um, but uh, she had she had something come up and she Thank had you. to bounce, and that's fine. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy she gets to take care of what she has to take care of. Uh, what a fucking weird thing to say. Um, (laughs) 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 who criticizes me more than me? No one. Um, but since we're nearing the end, it's time for the question, the big one, unless you, unless you want me to add a fun one in front of the last question, do you want a fun one?
2: Yeah, we'll go with the fun one
0: first. Okay. Um, do you think that there are more doors in the world or more windows. No, sorry. Not windows, more doors or more wheels. Sorry.
2: Uh, I'm going to go with wheels.
0: Yeah. It's, it's hard because I, I want to go doors because you, you know, you, you look at a um, safety deposit, a room of safety deposit boxes. That's like, a bunch of doors cars have four doors four wheels cancel each other out there is a wheel in the there's a tire in the back is that a wheel if it is considered like there's a good argument for wheels but i am a a door guy till i die that's all i'm going to say um <laughs> have you seen the game that people are playing on tiktok now
2: dude i me and TikTok are—we don't have a, a friendship. I just have people bombarding me with TikTok videos. I watch them secondhand when they're like a reel on Instagram or something.
0: Right. So one of the things people are doing now—I'm sure you saw this—but they'll they'll say they'll describe a woman or man based on their ranking and attractiveness. So they'll be like, "She's a 10, but and then oh, you finish yes, that. the sentence, yeah. So, um, I just want to see. I want to throw one of those at you and maybe you'll throw one at me. I don't know. Okay. So she's a 10, but she can't go to bed unless you tickle her feet every night. Interesting. So what's her, what what is her rating now?
2: Uh, Feet are nasty. So now she's going to be like a three because I don't want to touch anybody. Nasty ass feet.
0: See, you get the game. I can't get my wife to play it. I don't I don't know why. Um, so she's a 4, but she plays the bass and she loves cats and uh she has a beautiful singing voice and she's sarcastic as hell. Is she still a 4?
2: Uh, no. That girl is a, uh, you know, was it Spinal Tap turn that shit up to 11? <laughs>
0: see that's what I I love these little games I love them but you know I'll move past it I'll move past it um let's see what David hey David um see what he had to say she's a 10 but she sucks at playing bass
2: oh she's like a negative negative two
0: (laughs) (laughs) is that I feel like that's an unrealistic unrealistic explanation expectation not explanation because yeah. how many people are gonna know that play bass?
2: That's true. I don't think I'm good at making these up because I'm like she's a ten, but then that would mean she's a two, and the y- 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 only people who understand binary would get that. That's one and zero. Oh goodness! Two, two bits. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, she's a nine. She has a lot of, but she has a lot of tattoos. She has a tenuous grasp on reality and at least one mental illness, and she's always down to cuddle.
2: Sounds like X. That's what that sounds like. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm a little biased on that. She's she's no longer a 10, she's a (laughs) 2.
0: All right. So, big question time, and then. blathering about what's coming up all of that but what right now um we've talked about a lot of the stuff that you're doing and a lot of the stuff that's giving you hope because you're you're doing things you've always wanted to do you're making money doing them in some sense um but what right now is giving you hope and is helping you helping motivate you forward what's something that can be easily digested by I mean, it doesn't have to be easily digested. You could use the most complicated thing ever. But what's something you'd like to share with our audience that gives you hope and motivation?
2: I think it's seeing that um, when you don't put limits on yourself, what you can achieve. It's the most fascinating thing to be able to say and being patient with yourself. That's important is how much you can achieve if you're like, okay, I'm not going to just throw my base. I'm not going to stop reading this book i'm not gonna you know quit this job because i couldn't learn this thing in two seconds and then you're doing step by step and then you look back over a couple months and like look where i was and look where i am now that to me harnessing to me that's harnessing a power where you know you just really dig into something to the point where you know it so well that you could teach it anything that's asked of you you always can like give somebody some pointer. And if you're yeah. the best at it, when you can actually teach it and teach it well right. to me is how, you know, you really know something. So to me is just the, it motivates me that I think of things now and I go, what is it that I have to learn? Or what does it I have to do? Well, I'm going to dominate the shit out of that and nothing is going to stop me. That is an amazing feeling. And that keeps me going knowing, dude, I have no limitations. I do whatever the fuck I want to do. I do it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's like speaking of in that vein, I was talking, I've said this to my wife, a few times we've talked about different things and i've said you know it really is true that if you can't explain it simply you don't understand it you know like if you can't boil it down to its parts and explain it simply you don't understand it and she would always fight me and um it was like maybe a week or two ago we were having this conversation and she was trying to explain this thing to me and i was like oh well you know maybe maybe you just haven't grasped it yet and she was like no no i i just don't have the words and i was like okay and she was like yeah i don't think i understand it yet and i was like what <laughs> was that it? that? Was it? was it? she was maybe that? you're right maybe you're right damn it yep <laughs> uh, yep yeah, yeah. uh but no i've loved having you on and talking to you and scaring um jessica with luca <laughs> magnata <sighs> but uh yeah for real um Thank you for coming back on and and chatting with me and just talking about everything and anything that came to mind and letting me geek out about Bible stuff. Cause I love geeking out about Bible stuff. Like it's my favorite thing to talk about. Um, so thank you. I appreciate you. I'm glad that you gave me that first snowball mic so that I could start podcasting.
2: Hey man, it said, well, clearly look where you're now. And maybe the next, one of the times I'm on here, it'll be farther down my base journey. I'll be in some like amazing original band, and you're, you'll are you have a whole entire network. People are working for you and paying you a <laughs> bunch of money for that, and it's going to be awesome. But thank you for having me on. Though at some point, I feel like we've got to figure out a way to have an episode that is just all us talking about true crime one of these yeah. days. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what we need to plan is be like, hey, Jessica, um, you have a week off. Uh, we're just... Uh, Kim and I are just going to talk about our favorite murderers,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but not talking about the, my favorite murder podcast, because screw those chicks.
0: So (laughs) (laughs) okay. Murderinos. Um, but yeah, so beyond that dear and, and hang out after I, I turn these creeps off who are listening. I'm just kidding. I love you. Um, I love you creeps. But after after that's gone, I want to show you the new um, intro and stuff that I'm working on, and I'll pull it up so that we can watch it. Um, but the rest of you, this is our last Wednesday show. Next week, we're, we're going to be starting on Thursday, same time, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Um, our good friend Monica Perez will be joining us again, and we'll be talking – we'll be diving deep in something, but I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. That's no fun. You get to find out when you get there. Uh, right after that, we're going to be talking to a guy – um, that what came highly recommended that I met on Facebook named Nick Quint, who is really spending time making a theological case for why women should allowed, be allowed to be ordained in the church. Um, this is one of those topics that's extremely contentious. It gets very loud. Um, I am somewhat undecided on this point, because i live in this area between yes i want women to be able to be ordained but also it's like if you look at history and women being ordained it's like some bad stuff has happened so i'm like i need him to explain it to me i want i want to hear more about it so we're going to just listen to his points ask him questions and we're not going to argue whatsoever and if you argue in my chat swear to god i'll slap you just listen and then we can argue about it later. Um, after that, I'm going to find someone else who has the opposite idea and let him talk through his points. You can, at that point, take the information from your brain, from both perspectives, and figure it out. And what's it called? Synthesize it. But I, I, I'm i not going to debate, have people debate for you. I'm not a freaking nerd. Um, after that, my good friend from college, um, Josh Hires, who I have alluded to a lot in this show as someone who I really looked up to as someone who as a Christian displayed um, the characteristics of Jesus and this fruit of the spirit better than anyone I've ever met. And so we're going to, he's going to be coming on the show right after Nick. Um, I'm going to be uh, speaking. I'm I'm excited to talk to him because we have so much to catch up on. Um And then right after that, uh, David Gernoski is coming back on, and we're going to talk a little bit more about memetic theory and stuff like that. And, uh, okay, so Dave wants you to know that you love him. No, that he loves you.
2: <laughs> I mean, I do love him, but
0: uh, <laughs> you kick so, rocks, old man. <laughs> also, um, Quest, Stephen Ignoramus will be coming back on the show in mid-September to talk all about his situation with being at the Capitol on January 6th, how he was sentenced after being there and all of the inside scoop from that. We're gonna talk all about his story, but that's gonna be in September. Um, So I'm working on filling out September now. If you have any people you wanna hear from, any topics you wanna hear about, let me know so I can try to get that sorted out because after September, that's when we'll do it, Kim. That's when yes. we'll do a murder episode is we'll do it in October. We'll do in a spooky season. I've got to start moving my head around for, for spooky season soon. So let's do that. Last year, we I talked to um, Jack, uh, Jack Luna. I could probably get him to come back on if you wanted to do you, me and him in a show.
2: Oh, that sounds perfect. I love Jack. So,
0: so I'll, I'll 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 see about that. We can maybe do that. Beyond that, I'm done. Uh, If you wanna join us on Patreon, you should, it helps us out. Like, subscribe, comment, that way this video gets boosted up. Tell people to watch it, send links, get us in people's ear. The more they watch the show on this channel, the more hours, uh, watch hours we get, which means we can monetize and really have great conversations and use super chats to really bring up um, comments that I I can't always get to otherwise. Beyond that t-shirts and mugs at we slash store. I should have a brand new shirt out by next week with the new setup for the logo. And I have a feminine design that uh, a very pretty woman who had all five of my children drew out for me. So we should have two new shirts there by next week. Um, I'm on Twitter at ham carless. Uh, sh- uh, you're th- this lovely woman here is on Twitter at the loan token uh, like on the South park episode, or if you want to follow and check out what she did when she was doing the show called Lesbertarian, she's at Lesbertarian. Um, Is there anything else you want to share about where to find you? Or is that
2: kind of good? uh, The only thing there's a change to my Instagram is just Kim Shang base, all one word. Now that's more of my base account. And, but I'm still going to leave all my offensive uh, political stuff up. Even though it's going to be <laughs> mostly based up because I want people to go back and go, oh, my God, I'm horrified at what you believe. And I'm like, good. Maybe oh, yeah. you need to think about it.
0: <laughs> awesome. And even though Jessica is not here right now, if you want to follow her, you can follow her as always at Soup Canarchist. If you're listening, you can watch this on Rockfin. You can watch this on Odyssey and you can watch it on YouTube. YouTube is generally the best because that's how we can do comments. Um, If you're watching and you'd rather listen, and if you'd rather not see my face, we're on all podcatchers. You can go to um, we are the ones.com and listen to everything there. I think that that is all the things I need to say at the end of the episode. So again, thank you so much, Kim. You're the best. And with that, uh, you have a chance to be a light in the world. So go light it up. <laughs>